Hi, I'm Chris Varner. And I'm Sean O'Brien. Welcome to It's Not the Differences. All right, welcome back, everyone. Um, we were trying to keep it light last week, and I don't know that we did. I think we well, went a little heavy. So we're gonna we're gonna purposefully start light, Chris. You've got the opening. Uh, what do you got? Okay, so being a little kid, one of my favorite things to do was, like every little child in the '80s, was watch TV, <laughs> particularly the sitcoms. I'm even talking with the laugh track, the, the live studio audience, whatever. <coughs> so what was? If you had to pick one, what was your favorite '80s TV show? The thing is, I'm not as good at decade on this, so. I'm not certain I'm going to get it in the right decade. If I'm out of the decade, I don't know if there's a buzzer or something, but I would probably go with Cheers. That's Is that 80s. the right decade? That's, a, okay. that's 80s. That, did that go past it? That oh. ended in 93. Okay. That would probably be mine. That would probably be mine. That's a, you know what? I was looking at Cheers as possible one, and then I was actually a huge fan of The Cosby Show. Oh, yeah, really I like that. I was a huge fan. I like that. I know things have changed. That's I mean, a little harder know, now to like. I know, I know. But, but that's time, a whole different issue. Do you separate art from artists? That's a whole different thing. I, yeah, if I could, well, I mean, a little kid, I remember they would just do so many amazing, and I, I thought, you know, but I liked them all. I liked Facts Alive. Do you remember Facts Alive? I do remember and, Facts Alive. Remember the and, theme uh, song to Facts Alive? Oh, it was great. Did you know Alan Thicke wrote that? Makes sense. Yeah. No, but I, I can see yeah. He did a lot of those, but no, I had a huge, I loved Facts of Life. I loved when they would do those special episodes, because here I am a little kid. They were, no, no, kid. they were very special. Very special episodes. <laughs> I was a latchkey kid. I would come okay, home, okay. and I was you know, supposed to be doing homework, but who didn't? And they would have a lot of reruns on different channels. This is okay. when you started to get more than the 2 through 13. And I would watch Facts of Life and Different Strokes. And yes, I remember Different Strokes. And, uh, yep, yep. I love those. I did. They, they were a big part of my life. In fact, I would still watch them if they were on right now. I wouldn't probably get as much out of it. But might something different out Boy, of they were well, you might, stupid. You do it. You, you watch different strokes, and now you're looking at it from the standpoint oh, of the I know where father. all of you are going to end up. I know where all of oh, you will that, end up. That's life. a whole different. Like, no, no. Stop him now. Stop. That character. I know you found the marijuana in his food. Stop him. Please. I mean, yeah, to be Conrad Bain, who was the dad right. in that, I mean, was he in the Mary Tyler Moore show or one of those? He was something. He I think of Ted Knight on might that. Have been. Ted Knight. Yeah. Come on, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, was that 70s, though? Are we going backwards That's on that a, Yeah, we're going back on that That one. had one of the greatest openings of a character, the Lou Grant character, in the first episode when Mary Tyler Moore shows up, and she's all energetic, and he's the as curmudgeonly as it's possible to get, and he says to her, you got spunk. Thanks, Mr. Grant. I hate spunk. <laughs> but he's got that, I'm sorry, you're drinking. He's got that Ed Asner scowl. Uh, that, and like you said, Ted Knight. Oh. Being Ted Knight, just perfect. But no, cheers probably for me. Um, did you like the, were you a Diane, Sam and Diane, or did you Yeah, like I think I was an originalist. Okay. But like like a lot of people, I remember thinking, I cannot see what he sees in her. Like, what is? And when they threw in other, didn't wasn't she introduced? There was the other, like the literature professor Sumner or whatever his yes. name was. And throughout the course of their 
often on again stormy romance other suitors would come in and fall for her. I'm like, I am not getting it. That's how, I'm sorry. That's how Frazier Miss Long, Shelley Long, Frazier, sorry. That's how Frazier came on. Maybe he you should date Crispin Glover. But Shelley Long, I'm sorry, it's not you. I just, I couldn't see. She played a very similar uh, similar character in the movie uh, Outrageous Fortune. I remember with, that. With, with very yeah. uptight, privileged, working well belief what she aspired to be, wanting to be an actress, author, I think in, in Cheers she wanted to be an author, if I'm not mistaken. Well, she so. kept flitting around, didn't they kept, one of the running jokes was she had like nine different majors? Yes, yeah. She's yeah. <laughs> um, I thought actually Shelley Long, we're back to like a pseudo Crispin Glover thing, she was underrated as a comic actress. Because one, you had so many heavy hitters around oh. her, and the writing was top notch. It was great. I thought Shelley Long was quite funny. She, when, I like when they, the, uh, the reason I don't think, somebody asked me, did they jump the shark after she left? I said, no, they just, they, it was almost like when Michael Scott left the office. He just said, well, forget that and go a whole separate direction right. and not even talk about her anymore. Pretty much, yeah. You know, which is fine. That's kind of where you, you got to do it. I remember the, I was a little, I was a little young with the early part, with the coach, a couple episodes. Oh, right, okay. You know, like the first okay. two seasons. I remember when Woody came on, and then when Kirstie Alley, that was probably when I was 11, 12, so from okay. that point forward, okay. a little bit more. But I would watch the reruns, because okay. I love Cliff Clavin. I mean, just, now, we're not the same age, viewers, listeners, so. That's part of the difference. Part of the reason. But anyway, yeah, go on. No, but I mean, Cliff Clavin for me, oh, John yeah. Ratzenberg's character, George Wendt, I mean. Yeah, and then Frasier, I've always loved Kelsey Grammer's right. voice and his demeanor, yeah. just everything about it. And then right. Woody, I mean, how can you not like Woody? They they all filled a niche. I remember once in the, you talk about jumping the shark, it's as if they knew how close they were coming. The, the little riff they did with Cliff and the vegetables, he had like presidential vegetables. Yeah. It got weirder and weirder. And at one point he had like a, like a parsnip dressed up as Nixon, with a podium and a presidential seal. And they had the character, they had him stop and go, is it me or is this getting weird? And you realize that's the writers saying, I think, I we, think we, we need to pull back. That was a little bit of lampshading going on. We're like, let's go and tell the writer's room things. We're, and they were pushing this. So that, I guess, cheers. But I did like Cosby Show a lot. Um, the thing for me oh. is those '80s intros were amazing. Oh, those, little, those songs, I still have. Songs were like I downloaded a ton of them. In fact, do you remember the Fall Guy with Lee Majors? Yeah, that unknown stuntman song. The unknown I was stuntman. listening to that, and everyone thinks I'm crazy, but I. Both my sons are named after Lee Majors' characters. Austin, yeah. From Six Million Dollar Man, Steve Austin. One. Lee Majors in The Fall Guy was Colt Seaver. That's right. So I was trying to Austin think of the other one. I didn't tell my wife till years afterwards. <laughs> oh, after this the, was pre-planned. The ink was dry. Oh, it was dry, the birth certificate, the whole nine yards. So, so what would, would have been pictures. the third if you had a third son? Because oh, it's stuck. Just go yeah, straight I, Lee. Just, <laughs> just, just start naming him Majors. after the actual so guy. Just go with Majors. <laughs> <laughs> What was he in? Uh, was it Big Valley? What was he in that? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'd have to do some research. Six Million Dollar Man was 70s, though. Yes. But that was one of my favorites, oh, too. amazing. Couldn't get enough of it. Right. And now Six Million Dollars wouldn't buy you a couple can't, of... You can't get anything. You can't even get anything in Aspen for yeah. Six Million <laughs> That, I mean, I, I ate that up. And I bought every ounce of it. Like, totally plausible. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, we would do this. <laughs> 
we would absolutely do this. And it never occurred to me, like, well, if you could do this, wouldn't you, like, remove his other arm and make that? Like, so now he's got two? Like, no, just go with one, huh? Um, <laughs> and it's a good thing it was both legs, because what's one bionic leg yeah, do for hey, you? Yeah, it's running in circles really fast. Outward. <laughs> I just, I, the flared pants and how casual Steve Austin was. He was, oh. he was in OSI, but, you know, kind of gave Oscar Goldman a hard time. Yeah. He was still playing by his own rules. Goldman realized, like, I, I have an I have a agent here who's a little rogue, and so I can act annoyed that he's going his own way, but I can't really do like, anything about it. What are you gonna do? It. It's a six million dollar right. Gonna, I can't really do anything. And that beleaguered scientist they had—I can't remember his name. Well, it's just like the old Wonder Woman, you know, with Pretty Linda close. Carter. Those were. Pretty I, I remember my my dad had a, a nice little attraction to Linda Carter, so I, he would watch all those. And, Lyle Wagoner uh, was, was yeah. the was the Air Force. Well, I didn't realize it. I did because I was little, but it wasn't until my daughter. I was really trying to give her kind of uh, feminine power sort of character. Sure. So I really was pumping with the Wonder Woman. I took her to see it, and you know these sort of things. So I went back. We started watching the original. I didn't realize that they time jumped from the '40s to uh, you know present day yeah, '70s which would be in the 70s, show. Yeah. I, I didn't know that because oh, as a little kid, okay. it was just it, okay. over my head. But okay. I was like, wow. And then the movie followed the same sort of suit. The second one was in the 80s. That's the true. First I never really put that World together. They didn't, she didn't do a cameo, did she? Linda she Carter? did in oh, the second did? one. I didn't remember yeah. yeah, at the very, very end. I do remember in another cute little kids sci-fi or uh, superhero movie called Sky High. Oh, yeah. She is yeah. the principal She's and has principal. the line, I'm not Wonder Woman, you know. <laughs> Great little line. I love those little homages, those little, what are they called, Easter eggs, those little yeah. homages where you think, you know, you got to have a deep knowledge to know what that was. And Well, that's how they into tap the, into these, these, let's just say, more kiddie-style shows for the parents. Yeah. Is because I will watch that for those sort sure. of things. All right, so Cosby Show for you, Cheers for me. I'm finding now, as, as I'm older, I am going backwards to whatever streaming service might have it. Like, I'll be, I'm watching Taxi well, you're, a lot okay. now. Well, okay, you are going backwards. Well, because that's, for me, Taxi is all about, is it a gym episode or isn't it? <laughs> and if it isn't, it's probably okay. But if Christopher Lloyd as Jim Ignatowski is in it, it's a winner. Like, it's something be. good's going to happen here. My, that was my brother's favorite show. My oh, okay. Brother. Yeah, okay. he loved that. So what else is from the 80s? Throwing because I'm not well, as good you know, as you in gosh, decades. Darn it, Lear. Well, you've got uh, obviously I said the Cosby Show, so you've got Growing Pains. That was a big nah, one. for me that wasn't a big. Well, you were that was a teeny bopper because of our yeah. age difference. That would have been in the probably, 80s. That would have been yeah, yeah, probably out a little ahead of that one. Um, um, in terms of the more adults, that's a good question. I actually this is going back again. I'm probably not 80s on this. Probably my favorite old sitcom is Soap. Never seen it. Ooh. I did have a crush I mean, on Maude, though. Does that count? Uh, I was a big B. Arthur, Arthur fan in the Golden Girls. So I <laughs> couldn't get enough of B. Arthur in my life. And then there's Maude. There's Maude. Oh, B. Arthur. No. It, it, <laughs> soap, soap's hard to explain. It was a satire of soap operas that turned into its own soap. Like, it actually got good on its own weird satirical terms. But it was. It was a satire of soap operas with cliffhangers and amnesia and every... That would every, sound like it'd be a great reboot or something. Because just make fun of... Like, what if you did that with YouTube right. or any of these new... Just to they make had fun a, of it. It had a Billy Crystal got a start in that. Okay. He was a, he was, he was a gay 
not adopted, like a stepson, sorry, gay stepson of one of the two main families. And initially, the show didn't find its legs because they made him flamboyant and strange, and they tied in transgender and gay as if they were the same thing. Because hmm. they in made the him. In the seventies, really? They tackled. So they were they were tackling it, but they they fumbled it. But they found their footing not too long after that. They did a very serious episode line where he wanted to adopt a child, but he was being prevented because of his sexuality. That was serious. Hmm. That's what I mean. It turned into a serious show, even while people are getting abducted by aliens. Like, they just threw every bizarre plot point you could think of, and then when you thought it couldn't go any farther, they just took it even further. And to me, it was, it was hilariously funny, but again, I think that's 70s. So, Cheers. See, the 80s was also really good for... You had all those cop buddy shows. You had T.J. Hooker. You had Magnum P.I. You got yeah. Hunter. Matt yes. Houston, an un, yes. a, a very yeah. underrated was TV Vegas show. was 70s, right? Vegas was 70s. I that guess. had the greatest name for a detective ever. What was it? Dantana. That's <laughs> because nobody could be named that. Nobody could ever be named that. I hate my son. I'm if your last name is Tana, what should we name him? Dan. You're kidding me, right? <laughs> Uh, but I think that might have been 70s. Um, yeah, Hunter. Was well, that? Magnum P.I., how great was Magnum that? P. I mean, Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck and the I mustache. still can't grow a mustache like that. I, mean, that I wonder if I would get rid of... You've got one now, but, oh, it's but part it of could, your, I mean, it, it would look sad. If I was standing next to Tom Selleck, he'd tell me to shut You can't. Like, Come on, man. What are you doing? You can't what sell you reverse doing? mortgages? Yeah. No, get out of here with that. mustache? Come back when you got a real yes. Come on. Come back when you hit puberty is what he would tell Well, the me. thing with T.J. Hooker that I couldn't get into was, why is Captain Kirk in a police outfit? Like, I couldn't get past that. Even though Heather Locklear went to the same high school as me. That's right, she did. Not at the same time, though. Right, but, yeah. but she, was, she was older. That didn't, I couldn't, I could not, I'd watch the little opening for T.J. Hooker when he slides across the hood of the car. You're and like, it was, it was literally, why is Kirk in a police, is this a time travel episode? I couldn't get you past couldn't it. You couldn't get out of the story. It's Captain Kirk dressed as a police officer. What's I remember my mom, I really, it, it stood out because we we're getting ready to go to the, the circus. Remember how they did like the preview for the next episode? Yeah. Did you yeah. And Leonard Nimoy was one of the guests. I don't remember. Wow. Yeah, that I know. Blown I only remember away. this because he, ah, ah. T, uh, uh, William Shatner had the gun on Leonard Nimoy and Leonard Nimoy looks at him and says, you're not going to do this. You won't do it. And then my mom goes, well, no, that's Spock. And I'll never forget that. Because my dad used to watch the, you know, every night, he would watch Star Trek, the reruns. I see. You know? And so that's what I remember. I did, wasn't real. I got much more into Star Trek after um, the fourth one, The Voyage Home. When they, oh, go, sure. they go back to yeah, the, the 80s. Some, like, the fairly comical one. Right. Yes. I thought that was great. That's it actually what made me go back and... Oh, okay. and get back into this. I see. Was that? Was you're talking about the original. The original. The great debate that probably should be its own podcast episode is the two captains debate. Which is Picard and, yeah. and people ask me that because they know I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm not as big a fan as, uh, like, Michael's a huge fan, but, but I'm, a, I'm a big enough. And I'll say, look, the only logical correct answer for which of the two captains is best is clearly Captain Picard, but my answer is Kirk. No, why? Why? Because he's just better. He's just like, cool. there's no way. Sometimes you got to punch an alien in the face. That's it. And you don't see Picard doing Picard that. is negotiating, which is clearly the right answer. And he's got a smarter answer. And he's tactically better. But 
It's just Kirk. It just is. So I don't know would, how to okay, explain so it. Because uh, he punches an alien in the face when, when, it, when it needs to happen. The, uh, Kobayashi Maru? What would we do with He would have carefully tried to solve it and like, well, maybe we it. could use a shuttle and this. And Kirk's like, hell with that, I'm cheating. Yeah, right. Like, that's the answer. You cheat. <laughs> Why, of course you do. Um, that's, to me, I read a review, not a review, an analysis of it that said essentially what they were trying to do with the original was they were talking about, in psychology terms, it would be id, superego, ego, ego. Mm -hmm. where Kirk is the ego, Spock is the superego, McCoy is the id. And Kirk's job is to balance the two of them. And every little alien society they go to is out of whack for either one direction or the other. And it's Bones, too, Bones is the ego. Right? No, he's the, he's the id. Bones would be the id? Now, the better way to look at it is Dionysian and Apollyon, but that's a different thing. It's... It, things are either too ordered or not ordered enough. Things are either too rational or too emotional. And every little alien society they went to and had to fix, it was because order had taken over and you needed to loosen it up, or disorder had come in and you had needed to tighten it down. It's actually very... And Kirk's job was to be that middle sort of, I am the captain of the Enterprise and I run a tight ship, but man, that woman's attractive. Like, like... He could do both of those things. And Spock would be like, we probably shouldn't be sleeping with every single woman we run across. <laughs> Meanwhile, you get the sense McCoy is, you know, talking to him the next morning. Hey! How was it, Jim? <laughs> and he's in the middle. He's like, well, I can do both. I can be a ladies' I, man actually, and also I, fire phasers. I'm going to have to probably sit on that for a while. Yeah. I, I could totally see that. That makes absolute sense. Now, I don't I know if they did it on purpose. On my own, but I don't know if it was I on purpose. Because sometimes the magic, the magic just happens, and you're not sure why. But that was what, like, there's a very poignant episode that actually still hits me. I go, that is a hell of an ending line. There's the one episode they go to the planet, and it's essentially it's the repeat of the Odyssey, the Lotus Eaters episode. It's just that, where this alien plant has made everybody happy, but also totally unproductive. They just lay around being happy. And Kirk resists it because, no, you're supposed to get work done. We can't just lay around being happy all the damn time. Let's get some work done here. And even Spock falls prey to it. So he turns into this hippie sort of looking at clouds and falling in love with women. When Kirk snaps him out of it to say that's not how we ought to live, everything works out, they resist the pull of the little plant parasites, and everybody returns to normal, they ask Spock at the end, like, you haven't said much about this. What do you say? And he goes, well, I don't really have much to say except for the first time in my life I was happy. Roll credits. You go, Whoa. wow, that's like, ouch. Now, do we think that that, that hurts, when, man? Do you, do you know, by any chance, just out of curiosity, when did that, what year oh. was that episode? What, give me, give me a, a somewhat. Oh. Here's where I'm going with this. I'm either going to be, what, early be, 70s, late 60s? It would be late 60s, right? Yeah. I just wonder if that has anything to do tying in with the, LSD hallucinogenic. Oh, they did that episode. Sort of, you know what I'm saying? Oh, no, but they did that episode, and it's one of their worst. Really? It's called The Way to Eden and had space hippies. Okay, this is gonna, you're going to like this. You're going to like this, Chris. Go back to, you're going to laugh at this one. Go back to Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Go back to the two officers running the prison complex in the, in the like a gymnasium. With the, the, the cell, for some reason, just right in the middle. Right. The, the supervisor guy is played by an actor named Charles Napier. That's the actor's name. 
I don't need to picture Didn't him. Didn't he play Murdoch in Rambo Part Two? He might have. Two? Yeah. He was also in the Blues Brothers as the lead of the country western group. Yeah, that's yeah. him. He's the he's a space hippie. See? You and he has a song. <laughs> he's dressed in like iridescent clothing with tattoos. He's playing a, a futuristic guitar. And he has a and he's just he's like on drugs the whole time. Charles Napier. I'm gonna have the, to go back to Los It is the goofiest. Well, because that's the whole thing episode. of what they're doing with the top. Because you know, I, I'm very much into the, the idea of nootropic drugs and things like that stuff that can enhance your brain. I okay. saw that movie Limitless. Oh, I know yeah, it's yeah, not 100 percent to I've go to that, that extent, but in Silicon Valley, you know, which is this creative hub of the future and, and everything, they're they're microdosing LSD. Really? Oh yeah. And they're getting into psilocybin and all this sort of stuff, magic mushrooms, and mm. and this is stuff that you know in Schedule One narcotic, you know, you're not it's illegal to possess, legal to buy, etc. Um, but it goes back to what the original sort of research behind these psychedelics were before the hippies got a hold of it, and before with the war right. on drugs, and they, okay. they they cut it off, which is that sort of it's, it's supposed to be the dissolution of your ego. Okay. And that's why when you when you brought up Spock saying it's first time I was happy is that the idea is that our ego is in the way of, of a lot of different things. Okay. And this allows you to, I mean, it goes back centuries in different cultures. Ayahuasca is down in the Amazon, peyote with uh, Native American cultures in this continent. Um, and it's supposed to be that sort of voyage through it, but we get so lost and hamstring day in, day out of doing something that we kind of forget it. And this is supposed to be sort of the disillusion of that, that perhaps there's more to something. That's where they, you know, feed your head, the white rabbit and, and sort of thing of, of Jefferson Starship, um, is that we get so stuck in patterns that this is supposed to dissolve those patterns. That's just with hearing you say with Spock, first time I was happy, it's, it's the whole thing. We grind and grind and grind for the purpose of being happy later, but we never fully achieve it and we die. For you telling me, as you look at my desk, that I have things in the way of my hap how dare you? Perhaps. No, I, I, I see a lot of tchotchkes <laughs> around here. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess my question would be, and this is maybe deeper than we've got time for, maybe this would be another one. Um, there's, are there no ways to unlock that without resorting to chemical, like meditation? Apparently, and I'm, I'm, I'm just learning a lot of this okay. stuff now. But yes, meditation, uh, that's that whole purpose, I believe, behind transcendental meditation. I see. I see. Is that sort of unlocking the patterns. Most people, when you're stressed, what do you do? You drink, which is an anesthetic, brings you down to basically just you get through the time. The whole point of what sort of the hippie freelance initially alternative lifestyle is to not get stuck in that grind, not to be sitting in traffic in a metal coffin every single day until when? Until you retire and then what do you do? To not live out the plot of you office. For, you for, yeah. yeah, you for, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not going to need you to. <laughs> no, I, okay, but in a way that is more transformative than, than temporary. Correct. Okay. Because the, the idea behind, uh, and again, this is all new, so if I'm speaking of, you know, this is just learning it. They equate your your neural pathways that you've created, that you've hardwired through experience, through adaptation of your mind, would be the equivalent of you going down at the bottom of a ski slope 
looking back up and seeing all the tracks from the people. That's, okay. that's your hard wiring from your years of experience. Currently, these psychedelics kind of snowplow those and allow you to start over. So they're looking into it. I was just reading this this week, looking into it for people, uh, returning veterans with PTSD. Oh, I see. Possibly a way to get people off of alcoholism, to, to cure okay. them from alcoholism. Okay. Is if we rewire that, that cognitive you know, sort of plug they have for that, going home, drinking. I mean, it's, it's all hardwired. Right. We could start over again. You still, there's going to be work involved. You're going to still have to have self-control. Because you still have the memory. You still have the memory of it, but it's it's the idea. But And I think if you, this is where I, I don't understand, or I'm not, you know, don't quite under everything fully, is you have to then get new neural pathways. So okay. when you come home okay. now, you work out instead of getting the Hopefully drink. healthier, get better correct. ones. Yes. Interesting. I thought so. so. No, I mean, I think extremely so because we always equate, and I'm I'm not just guilty of this. I'm probably very guilty of it. You know, I, I equate, you know, the the taking of a recreational drug like that as a, 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 a shortcut that one ought not to take. But now you're sort of presenting this as well, but it may be more therapeutic than that. It may be. It may not be quite so simple that hippies take drugs, straights don't. Like that's it. But it was that. That's how it's always been laid out for us. That's what I mean. I, yeah. And I agree with you that yeah. it was like the thought of me even talking about learning. Because you're not that guy. No. Yeah, that's that. I and would so, agree. But that Which was is it. those guys do drugs. We don't. Ironically, I mean, you know. that's one of the pathways that this is talking about. The idea that you you craft yourself identity. That's what ego is, right? Your your built up self identity. As yeah, how, as you choose between your id and super ego, what you know everything, and then that goes off patterns. You know, we don't touch a hot stove anymore because we burned our hand when we were five. We don't have to keep touching a hot stove before we learn that it's hardwired. So the culmination of all your years' experience. But then the problem is you end up going into the more you have you ever driven from your from work to home and then all of a sudden you're in the driveway and you how did I get absolutely here? because it's a pathway you do all the time so your brain goes on autopilot it's going to go on autopilot as much as it, it can it, it it'll do that to save energy or well whatever or yeah I mean it's okay. complex but it also will will be lazy and so this is about creating new neural pathways and essentially taking an extra sketch and shaking it hmm. and doing new lines well I'll tell you from a standpoint of writing. I will often write myself into a rut and realize that that isn't anything. You know, I wrote fifty thousand words. That's not anything. That was in a that was a rut or a pathway or whatever word you want to use. That's not the story, or that's not me, or I did I even write this? And I'll have to abandon it. And it's getting harder as I get older to go into new, as you let's use that analogy, the unplowed areas, the sort of virgin snow. It's getting harder, it seems to me, to find them. And I, I used to think, until this very moment, well, I guess it's just harder for me to think of new things. And it might be, no, the ruts are deeper. Like my, my patterns of thought have become deeper. Hmm. And I wonder, if we go back to education, I wonder if that's part of the reason we can't, we have, not we, but educators in general have a harder time reforming. Because once you're, once you're old enough to really understand what's happening in education, You've also done it for long enough that you're I'm here. too familiar. I'm done. You almost wonder, should everyone be like forcibly shaken up? Not force-fed tabs of acid, but... <laughs> but well, was it, uh, from my understanding, Jack Kerouac was a big pot smoker. And, a lot of those and, guys. And uh, Ginsburg and all yeah. those. They did, they did uh, peyote. They did acid. 
from a from a mind expanding yeah, exactly. standpoint. Exactly. That was the before the yeah. hippies when you had the hipsters. Did the so. Air Force do LSD tests? Uh, it was. I don't know if it was the Air Force or the Army. It was. Oh, it was okay. our armed services that did it. Yes. And not because they wanted to control. No, they, they thought during the Cold War that it would be a truth serum that the Soviets oh. would use against us. So okay. that was. Um, gosh darn it! I'm gonna forget the whole ultra? name. Was that, yes, that, was, that, that, was ultra? that would be ultra. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So we went from eighties. To 80s um, TV shows to LSD as a therapeutic. <laughs> I don't know that any of those shows did drugs that way. Well, because it was almost always a, a, the devil's parsley. It was always. It was. The, it was, it was, it was, it was I, I always tell the story because this is how we think of drugs. Is there was always that one episode where that character who's never been on any other show or, or any other episode of the show <laughs> yes. shows up, and the dad catches him doing cocaine in the bathroom, and they're hey, you shouldn't do it. And then they come and they tell the son later in that same episode, yeah, Jim's dead. He died from the cocaine. So I'm <laughs> yeah, like, oh, my God. I'm sorry to laugh. But that's how it was presented. Really like, oh, he did, he did cocaine. He's dead by the end of the episode. He, yeah. he, did, he came uh, in to die. He smoked. <laughs> Boy, Tommy down the street smoked. He's got lung cancer. Sorry. And that's, I think I read somewhere, the D.A.R.E. program in Chicago, they studied, is this working? It doesn't seem to be working. And short story, they figured out, well, the way we were administering the D.A.R.E. program, we were telling kids, if you even say the word marijuana, your head will explode. Yeah, you know. you'll die. And kids Is that believe madness? Yes, <laughs> very much like that. And kids would hear it, believe it, but then their life experience would tell them that's just not so. So they'd throw out the entirety of the dare everything. message, figuring, you know, Officer Krupke must have lied to me. Which is true, but he didn't lie about everything. It goes back to what I say to about students all the time. You can't lie to these guys. Even if you have the best intention ever, like I'm telling you a lie, but it's a good lie. No, no. you can't do it. Because you can never build that credibility. That, and also, either it's either got to be the best lie ever, and they'll ne literally never discover the truth, or you tell the truth, because they will find it. And when they find it, they will, like you say, they'll curse you for it, and, well, then Varner must have been lying to me all this time. I will take nothing he said seriously, yeah, totally. which is an appropriate reaction. You just can't do it. You can't lie to them. Um, they A, they'll detect it. They're really good at that. And B, you shouldn't be lying to kids. Like, that's your job now? You signed up to lie to kids? And you know this as a head coach. When you want to have a discussion with a player, here's how come you're not starting. It's a tough discussion. It's not easy. But you've got to tell them, here's why. Here's what's happening. He's faster than you. He's stronger than you. He's better than you. Here's what you can maybe do about it. Not... Well, because they bribed me. You can't make something up. You've got to, the only way through is the very difficult truth. And if you need to bring in a kid so he can die of cocaine poisoning. Yeah. You're right. That, so they were the, going back to tie in Star Trek, they were that episode's red shirts. Where you'd bring the landing party and it's Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and Ensign Chavez. Yes. Guess who ain't coming back? <laughs> might, as, might as well make the coffin now. And Kirk always went, for it, Kirk went to the academy with his dad. It was always, I got to admit, they at least threw lip service at it. It wasn't just, there goes another one. It was always, oh, I knew his dad. But that wouldn't last long. So Ensign Chavez never slept with the alien woman. No, Kirk, they didn't right? get that. You're not getting this. They never got that. It was, always to, it was always to show the dangers. This is serious. Chavez just took, a, <laughs> took one. You remember Chavez? No, no, never heard of the dude. <laughs> Until... Until we beam down with the principles. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that was the episode. So when Theo and 
in uh, Cosby Show has a new best friend that you've never heard of. He's not coming back. And he's, he's got a weird yeah. shoe box in his yeah. room. Nope. You Must will not see that guy for another episode. That's it. <laughs> Turn in your sack card yeah. now. <laughs> you are done. You won't even do commercials so, on this town. Why is my script so much lighter <laughs> than everybody else's? All right. Well, that was uh, that was an interesting little bird walk there. But uh, hopefully you guys got something out of it. We'll see you guys again next week. If you'd like to hear more from Chris Varner, please visit my lifestyle channel called Just a Dad Vlog. And for Sean, you can find my books on Amazon or on my website at seanobrienauthor.com.